Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast, the podcast where real estate investing and pleasure meet. I'm your host, Monique Hom, and I have a very special guest today to interview, uh, Paula Brooks. So Paula Brooks is going to talk to us about how you can multiply your cash flow, get exponentially more cash flow from your real estate through division. She's a real estate investor goddess extraordinaire from the UK, and she achieved financial freedom in just three years by investing in shared housing for young professionals. She's going to talk to us today about her own property niche and about other and then just tell us some stories about from other investors that have had similar results through using niches and dividing up their property. She's been collecting their stories for a book that she's writing to, on financial freedom faster, and she's going to share all of that, those yummy, juicy insights with us today. So I'm so happy to have her. Welcome, Paula. Hey, Monique. How are you? Great. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so oh, it's it's an honor. It's an honor. Thank you. Uh, honor is mine. And so I wanted to have so many questions for you. And uh, but what, let's start at the beginning. How did you get started in real estate investing? Oh my goodness, that was um, several years now. Uh, I actually bought my first one in 2008. But before, a couple of years before that, I was given that little purple book. And I'm one of those purple book stories, The, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Yes. Yeah. So my sister, actually, who was in the U.S. at the time, she gave me that book uh, to read. She, thought, she said, this might be of interest to you. And, uh, yeah, and once I read that, it was just I had that paradigm shift, you know, the, the yeah. light bulb moment. Uh, that people do, uh, and uh, I get it. Yeah, that was my the the purple book too for me too. Oh, well. there we go, purple yeah, book sisters. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I should add for those listening, I met Paula recently at a cruise, the Real Estate Guys Investors Summit at Sea, where uh, Robert Kiyosaki was. He's a frequent uh, guest. A speaker that at, at the cruise that so he was there and that's where I met Paula and got to hear her really inspiring story and so that's why I'm particularly excited to have her here today um, so you you started you got you got the book and then in 2008 you bought your first house and what did you do then I can't hear you I can hear you. you. I've got you now. Yep. Okay. Yep. There you You're go. Okay. <laughs> Paula's <laughs> in Belize, by the way. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> all right. Um, and we'll talk more about that and what she's doing there, but uh, in a little bit. But so, so tell us what happened then. You got your house in 2008, and, and what did you do? Well, um, I, it took me a couple of years to get that first house, actually. Um, when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, I was currently working as uh, a flight attendant, in the UK, and uh, my husband had a good job in the city of London, and we lived in Wales, so he commuted every week. Um, so I had a, a weekend husband, which was okay, mm. you know, but we had uh, two nice cars on the driveways, and three ponies in the field, a big house in the country, which was all very nice, but then once I'd read Kiyosaki's book, I realized I was 
well and truly in the rat race. And if he'd have lost his job, uh, we would probably not have been able to keep that house. He would have had to get another job very quickly, and he's not getting any younger. Yeah. So you started looking, and, and then you, you so, found So, yeah, I started to to try and get into real estate. Um, didn't really know what to do. I had no previous experience at all. So uh, they were offering redundancy in my workplace. So I decided to take that and I had a little small pot of cash to, to begin with and um, went to work as a realtor because I thought, well, yeah. that's how people learn. They, they can see the side of things. So I did that for, for a couple of years but still hadn't bought that first one. You know, the numbers weren't bright. They weren't sexy enough for me. Um, yeah. I couldn't decide on area. I'd never been a landlord. Oh, my gosh, I had so many fears, and I didn't know anything about it. But it was only then when I found Rich Dad Education that I did some courses with them. And uh, eight weeks after doing my first three-day course with them, I had an offer accepted on my first multi-let shared house. So that really mm. fast-tracked me then. Yay. Okay. Mm. <laughs> That's so great. So then what What did you – so this is where it gets particularly interesting. What did you do with yep. that house? Because this is what's really unique about how you're investing. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. So I take a single-family home, and mm-hmm. it can be two or three stories. And uh, what I do is I may take one of the bedrooms upstairs and divide that up, you know, if it's, a master, if it's a particularly large master bedroom, or I'll take some of the living space downstairs and create maybe one or two bedrooms from that. And then there's a living space, you know, a living room, plus the kitchen, plus a couple of bathrooms. And what I do is I rent the rooms out separately to young professionals. So these are white-collar workers. These tend to come in around the 21 to 27-year-old, straight from university in their first or second jobs. Don't particularly want to go back to mum and dad, um, you know, or they might be new to the area. So we keep the rents nice and affordable for them. We pay all the utility bills and property taxes. So when they come in, it's just one rent check that goes out. They don't have to worry about chasing anyone for rent. Uh, you know, any of their housemates or anything. So, and, uh, yeah, it works really well. So let talk to us a little bit about the – so how does it uh, multiply the cash flow? Okay. So if I were to take – so I'll just think of one in my head that I've got. Um, it would normally rent out to a family. I would rent that out at £650 per calendar month. If I rent out to young professionals by the room, um, depending on the size of the room, I'm getting between 380 and 420 per room. So that's a five-bedroomed house. So that's how it multiplies. Wow, that yeah. is great. So then 380 to 420 per room, you're getting you seem to be getting upwards of 2,000 pounds a month yes. instead of 650. That That's it. But brilliant. they love it because it's affordable. It's affordable for them, you know. Because if yeah, they had a place absolutely. of their own, um, you know, that they would they would be paying. Oh, I lost you again. Can I? Hello. This is the um, beauty and challenge of live podcasts. <laughs> 
<laughs> especially international. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes, I think. Okay, so I lost you for a second. So yeah, I think you were saying that um, they are. So the, this is good for them because it's more affordable than if they were to get their own place. But it works yeah. for you, obviously, because you're able to get exponentially more for the same property. Uh, yes. I love it. So what inspired you to do this, to, to go after young professionals? You know, how, how, did, how did this idea come to you? Yeah, well, uh, when I was doing the education, it was one of mm-hmm. the, you know, sort of models that were being taught. Uh, it's called a, a, an HMO, House of Multiple Occupation in the U.K., and uh, mm-hmm. so it's similar to student houses. So they, they pretty much were teaching student houses. Uh, but there was uh, one of the tutors there was actually renting out to young professionals, and that's what really pricked my ears up. And mm. uh, so that's I what I decided it. to do. So, yeah, I learned from somebody else. That's, that's how you do it. You get educated and you take action. I love it. Yeah. So you have uh, so you have these houses, and now you've had, you have more than one, right, at this point. you You've uh, you've leveraged that, um, yeah. And so, how I mean, there there are a lot of questions um, I have about that. But um, <laughs> one is right now you are in Belize and you are you've been traveling the the globe for two months to work on a book, which we'll we'll talk about in a second. How mm-hmm. are you? How is your management set up for your properties so that you have this type of freedom? Ah, okay, good question, good question. Well, as I grew my portfolio, when you've got two or three of these type of houses, they're quite easily managed, but you haven't got one family, you've got five or six tenants in there instead of one family tenant. So immediately it becomes a lot more management intensive. So once I got to about uh, three, four houses, I thought, hang on, (laughs) this is... um, you know, this this isn't how I planned it. I mean, I did want to learn the business. So um, I was looking after the first few for myself. But what I did is uh, I set up a management company myself with my business partner, who was my sister. So she was the one that had given me the book, and we did our courses together, and she was buying similar properties as well. So we set Great. up the, uh, the management company, and that mm-hmm. now looks after the portfolio for both of us and other investors because you know we were acquiring this type of property for other investors as well so um yeah so that all fed the management company and it means that i'm pretty much hands-free now and can go wherever i want and that was always the the goal really when we set it up brilliant so now it's pretty passive income very passive that's that's great. So tell me a little bit. So you, it sounds like you are syndicating now. You're getting other investors together to buy to con, to help you continue to buy houses. Um, I I was doing that, yes, um, and we'd be you know looking to do that when I get back as well now into the UK. Um, but but the reason I'm I'm here in Belize is that since I've been investing. I've noticed mm-hmm. there's been lots of different ideas around different real estate ni- niches. So, yeah. And the people that I've seen have been doing amazing different business models that, again, sort of 
increases and multiplies the cash flow. You know, so it's that I call it a divide to multiply concept. You divide up a property or a piece of land to multiply the cash flow from it. And yeah. uh, and I found that the people that have been doing that have have you know exponentially grown their income faster than the average single family home route. So that's so great. I've been so going around the world. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for interrupting. You've been going around the world interviewing these people. These other I have. Yes. Yeah. So these are people I've met and I, I you know, I've known because, uh, you know, places I've been. For example, the Investor Summit at Sea with the real estate guys. Uh, I've been on that mm-hmm. for several years now. Mm-hmm. So I've met so many people through that internationally, and uh, yeah, it's been amazing. So I just feel that they really other people need to to hear their stories and what they've done and just to give people the ideas because sometimes I've also noticed that people are a little bit put off they're thinking about property but don't really want to have to have like 50 or 100 homes single family homes you know it's right. 100 roofs 100 ACs 100 boilers or you know all all those issues with it um so this this is um yeah I found there's so many different ideas out there that that can't, you don't need so many of these houses, you see. So how, how, what are some of the different uh, niches that, uh, that these investors you've been interviewing are doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, uh, oh, let's see. Let's, where have I been? So when I did uh, several interviews in the U.K., um, mm-hmm. that, was, that consisted of um, renting an apartment out by the night, so that was taking mm. advantage of the Airbnb model. And yeah. uh, my friend Joe does that, and he doesn't even own the house he he rents out. You know, he's got several of them now, but he doesn't even own them. So that's, wow. that's great. That's a great model for people that are really starting with absolutely no cash flow. You know, he doesn't even have to buy the property. Then uh, I've got a, a great guy as well who's doing asset stripping, it's called, with farmland in Wales, where I'm from. So he's doing an amazing job. His first deal, he created 126,000, and his latest one, he created 8 million from. So, yeah, big numbers. What is asset stripping? Uh, I don't even know what that is. Oh, okay, okay. So that's where you take a large amount of, for example, farmland that's got mm-hmm. a lot of acreage to it, uh, and maybe mm-hmm. one farmhouse with some outbuildings. And what you do is you purchase it as a whole, and then you strip off the farmland element of it, leaving the farmhouse and, and um, outbuildings with still a few acres. But it means yeah. that the people that are buy, looking for a farmhouse, usually equestrian-type people, you know, that just want a place for a few horses, they don't want yeah. all the farmland. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, so he then sells off the farmland separately, the outbuildings he gets planning permission on, sells them separately, and then sells the farmhouse separately. So again, by the time he sold this, instead of, you know, he he buys it as one and then sells it as three different units. Brilliant. Cool. Okay, what are some of the other ones? Okay, um, we've got uh, all all about the student accommodation, uh, mm-hmm. That was amazing. From going from a few student homes to now purpose-built student accommodation. Uh, oh, we've got oh, um, Josh and Lisa Lannan. I went to San Antonio in Texas, and they what they are doing is they have a rehabilitation center. They've now they started off with 
small, but now they've got a 500-acre ranch in Texas, and they are catering for first responders who are suffering from PTSD. Uh, so wow. they're, they're serving those who served us, and it's, it was just amazing, Monique. It was just an amazing place to be, and the social purpose that they have there, it's, oh, my gosh, it was amazing. Wow, that's so cool. They go, you know, it really, it's providing a service. Um, these are, all of these are providing a service, helping solve problems for people and being able Absolutely. to get a lot of money, a lot more money by doing it that way. Uh, yeah, well, it's solving uh, the problems. It, it's who do you serve, yeah. isn't it? Solving the problems. And it's, uh, there's so many different th- ways of serving people and solving problems. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So I had heard before you, you know, the student housing model and the assisted living facility model, which is for you know older, older people, seniors who need um, yes, help with day to day living. Um, but all these other ideas, uh, I'd also heard of Airbnb, but uh, not necessarily doing it with other people's properties. Uh, so all mm-hmm. these ideas are really, really brilliant and. Um, and I know you're going to have a lot more in your book. So uh, this this book, what I, you had a working title, but what is it called? <laughs> What's the book called? It's, when it's, when is um, it going to come it's, out? Yeah, well, it, it'll, it's a working title, but it'll probably be called Financial Freedom Faster. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm hoping to have it out at the end of the summer. Uh, I, I've okay. got the first draft done by uh by early may which is that's okay. we're looking on on track for that so that's good and uh yeah so it'll be out there for people to to read and and possibly take action on you know once the children are back in school and you know life becomes normal after the summer holidays and people get back into more of a routine so yeah that's yeah time scale for it okay cool so i'll we'll, we'll be looking out for it but um, you know, I know that you had mentioned that some of the people, several of the people in the book had to get over the issue of not having the money to invest. So what are, yeah. you know, you mentioned one way in which somebody was able to get in this game without having any money, the, the person with Airbnbs that they're managing for others. What are some other ways that people found um, found their ways around not having the money? Yeah, well, there's there's so many different stories, uh, and everyone's got their own story about it, but most of them, to be honest, didn't have the cash to get started with. And what they needed to do was uh, network and find another investor that did have the cash. So they would find the mm-hmm. deals, and the investor would come in to, with them, and they'd somehow share the deal in some sort of way that benefited both of them. Uh, so yeah, there's there's all sorts of creative ways of doing that, um, and yeah, using credit cards for the refurbishment as well. You know, yeah, uh, that's good because it's you know as long as you're using them for good debt, not bad debt, then that's an easy route out. Especially if you're going to refinance something, because then you can yeah. pull the money back out then when you refinance it, and you can pay any debt down to either debt that you've uh, loaned on a card or from a family member or an investor, you know. Yeah, lots of creative That's ways. That's great. That's great. It's, 
this is uh, reminding me of what Tony Robbins says. There's no lack of resources, just lack of resourcefulness. You know, if yes. people are resourceful, there, there's always a way. Uh, That's so it. I love it. That's it. Um, and how about finding the confidence? I mean, what you know, what helped you find the confidence to, to get started and to do it? I had no confidence to do this at all when I started. <laughs> I just thought, oh, my gosh, I know nothing. I know nothing. So I think it was, I think it came down to the education for me because, like I said, mm-hmm. I still hadn't bought that first house until I'd found the education. So I yeah. was 18 months, two months. 18 months, two years into it and still not buying the first house. I was so fearful. I was so cautious. I mean, this is my hard-earned money, you know, that I was going to be buying something with. And I wanted to make sure it was right. So once I got the right business model for me, and that's why I'm sharing all the different business models with people, because, you know, um, once I'd found the right business model and I could relate to that type of tenant, I had... Uh, children who were sort of growing up, you know, and two daughters who were growing up. And I was, I liked that business model. I liked that type of tenant, the young professional. It was something I could relate to. And, yeah. uh, and that's another thing I've noticed from, from the interviews in the book is that quite often the people will choose one of these business models because they related to it in some shape or form. So um, yeah. remember I was talking about Joe who was renting out apartments by the night. His wife and him were actually in hospitality previously. Mm. So you see, it, it um, goes over into that. And then uh, Josh and Lisa Lannan, you know, they, were, they had issues with drug addiction. So they, they knew the market. Um, mm. And the farmland, you know, Kevin was a farmer before that. So, so it's something that... You know, people didn't have to go too far out of their comfort zone to relate to the different business models. So that was interesting. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, the confidence just comes with, with the education that you receive and then the networking as well. But the, there's so much education out there. Once you find it, uh, yeah, it's, it's the, the confidence. It gives you confidence because you, you're learning from other people. They almost give you a blueprint yeah. to follow. Yeah. And you're learning from their yeah. mistakes. So good. And I, I mean, obviously, I'm all about education, which is what Real Estate Goss is all about. <laughs> and I think it was it's smart, you know, people shouldn't invest until they, uh, they have an idea of what they're doing. Because if you were to go in and do it and not quite know what you're doing, it, you might have lost the money. Uh, but if you mm-hmm. are educated, and you understand the you understand the market, and you, and you have a business plan that you can follow, and and, and mentors and education, then that will give you confidence and, and it's well-earned confidence because you actually know what you're doing at that point. So it's great. Uh, yep. Really smart. And well, what advice would you, would you give to a woman who's just starting out in real estate investment, uh, maybe where you were right after you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, you know, right, somebody who's thinking, okay, I want to invest. What should, what should I do? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I would use other people, use other people's, um, you can use other people's money, but also you can use other people's knowledge uh, and, mm-hmm. and time as well, you know. Um, so I, I know when I first started 
I was a bit fearful about talking to builders and things like that because it really is quite a man's world out there. But mm-hmm. men are tend to be pre-programmed to help ladies, you know, so we can yeah. use that to our advantage, you know. So don't be frightened to, to ask, uh, you know, the, the builders. And then when you learn the different trades and respect what they're doing, you also learn to speak their language. And I think as soon as you start speaking their language, then they suddenly realize, oh, my gosh, okay, and they respect you and... Uh, yeah, in fact, in fact, this is quite funny. I had um, a builder come to the house quite recently for something on our own residential property, and he walked straight in and started talking to my husband straight away. And it's uh, it's me that deals with all the property stuff. And he started mm-hmm. talking to him, and he was going on and on. And my husband was just looking at him with wide eyes, and he said, uh, you need to speak to my wife. <laughs> and then the builder turned to me, and then as if to say, oh, really? You know, and uh, so anyway, we then started having a conversation. And he was absolutely, he went from this sort of speaking to a, a housewife type person who he thought I was. Lost you again. So they focus no? on you and it's fine. It's absolutely fine. So it, it's easy getting the language and just being confident that it comes, you know, and it's a learning curve, but it, it does come. Great. So good. Oh, thank you, Paula. Amazing. I love it. And um, let's, uh, let's end with a quick trinity. So a trinity is a brag, a gratitude, and a desire. To brag, what are you celebrating? So what are you bragging? Oh, my goodness. Well, I am celebrating this amazing adventure I've been on. I've, oh my gosh, I've done so much in these two months since I've been away from home. I've been, I've been horse riding on South Fork Ranch in Dallas. I've been on a beautiful rooftop pool in the center of in Panama City. I've been invited to radio and podcast events. I've been swimming with the sharks here in Belize. Oh my goodness, it's just been amazing. So I am celebrating getting the interviews done, being here, and, and, and going from planning all this on a piece of paper as a plan to actually comp- now compiling the book. So I'm, I'm really celebrating that. It's been an amazing, amazing journey. Wow. Well bragged. And <laughs> what, are you, um, what are you grateful for? I am grateful for all the interviewees who have given me taken time out from their busy schedules for me uh they've they've been so inspiring so inspiring and you know the giving back that they do it's been so so emotional i've cried in some of these these interviews Mm. you know i've had tears in my eyes and they're just amazing amazing people and yeah i love them i love them so i'm i'm so grateful for them giving up their time and i can't wait to share their stories with others Lovely. And what do you desire? I desire to always have choice in my life. Mm. Choice to what what I want to do, where I want to do it, who I want to do it with, you know. Um, 
I was in uh, a friend of mine, Jean, who's one of the interviewees. I was in one of his assisted living facilities. I went there to visit, and it's an amazing place. And they've got residents there who are from from about 85 upwards, you know. And I walked in, and it, it was an amazing, amazing environment. But it really struck me that, oh, my goodness, life stops, you know. Mm. And... And being in the presence of those people, I was just very aware of hoping that they had done what they wanted with their lives, who they wanted to be with, and and what they'd wanted to do. You know, um, yeah. and I just I was hoping that they they had that that peace with them. You know, in that final place, and it was uh, what a wonderful, wonderful place. You know, but yeah. but that's what financial freedom can give you. Indeed, it can. Yeah, it can. And and it's so great that you are around helping people find financial freedom faster. Um, it's really exciting. I know uh, I can't wait to see the book. Where can people um, get in touch with you and find out more about you and what you're doing and find out when the book comes out? Where, where's the best way? Yeah, well, we've we've recently um, put out a Facebook page. Uh, it's Financial Freedom Faster on Facebook, so it should be quite easy to see. And um, yeah, the the posts will be going out there, so I'll be sharing my journey, sharing my thoughts, and and uh, you know some of the, the the snippets from the interviews and the ideas from people that I've met. Uh, so that that'll all that's all coming. That's that's starting to come out now because I've created so much content. It's, going to be nice to be able to get it out for everyone and yeah anyone the people can message me through that that's fine that's no problem at all all right beautiful thank you so much this was amazing i'm so excited to, to have that and i'm i'm really inspired i want to try it myself all right everyone thank you <laughs> you're coming. so welcome see you next week <laughs> thank you monique thank you it's awesome